Those young wizards would take their wands and if they wiggled them just the right way and said the right words with the right intonations, then the spirits would come and do whatever it was that they were doing. I think we can all agree God is not required to do what we want if we can just utter the right magic words. That's not what prayer is about. Dr. Hahn continues talking about these pagans trying to manipulate God with their magic phrases, quoting, this assumption fails to understand the nature of God that we see in verse 8 of our passage. God knows our need even before we ask him. And God's love is committed to seeking what's best for us. We don't have to persuade God to do things for us, nor will the right phrases force him to do something that's not good for us. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and, by turn, us today, the gathered congregation, that we don't have to try to manipulate God. God, our Father, is a God who loves us and knows what we need even before we ask it. God can't be manipulated by our words and phrases. If we get the right words just right, if we're like Aladdin and we rub the lamp just right. God doesn't show up as a genie to grant us three wishes. I did find it interesting as I was reading all those various versions of scripture that verse 8, God our Father knows what we need even before we ask him, is pretty much the same regardless of who translated it when. We know from the overarching message of Scripture, from the very first words of Genesis, in the beginning God, all the way to the last words of the book of Revelation where the new heaven and new earth are coming and Jesus is going to reign forever and God wipes the tears from our eyes. We know from all of Scripture that God is love, that God loves us, and that God redeems his creation, including even us humans. A loving father cannot help but provide what the child needs if it's within the father or mother's ability to provide it. In my own reading of this passage over these last couple of weeks in preparation for this, I've struggled with a question that comes to me. If God already knows what we need before we ask it, and if God is a loving God that's going to provide for all of our needs, then why do we need to pray? And really, the way God has been answering that question and revealing it to to me over these weeks is that our prayer is to align our wants and needs with the will of God and God's love for us and for the world. I've often prayed as part of a public prayer when I've been asked to pray that God will help us to be the very answer to our prayers. Have you ever prayed for someone who had lost a job that needed money to buy groceries and you're sitting there with a $20 bill in your wallet? You could be the answer to your own prayer. Do you have a friend that's sick, that is lonely sitting home recovering? You can be the answer to your own prayer and go provide companionship for your friend. Earlier I mentioned my sister-in-law, Linda, uh, talking about baby Gemma and her babbling. Linda is the prayer warrior in our family. She was a pastor's wife for several decades in inner city Cleveland. 
And she literally would carry that community to the throne of God in prayer as her husband Marvin was out being the hands and feet of Jesus in the community, meeting needs, loving people, and, and introducing them to Jesus. Recently, Linda started a new practice of journaling her prayers. When she feels moved to pray for someone, she'll grab a notebook and write her prayer on a piece of paper. And she then takes those pieces of paper and she tapes them on a mirror in her bedroom so that as she's up getting ready for her day, she can glance over and see that prayer that she prayed for her friend or that prayer that she prayed for her son or that prayer for the grandchild. And so those prayers are there with her and she can pray them again and again just because they're there near her. Have you ever journaled as a way of praying? It's not a practice I've done a lot. But I do have some sample prayer journals, prayer list papers in the back of the sanctuary. And for those of you online, Facebook wouldn't let me post it in advance, but I'll get it on uh, the website for us uh, here later today. But I would like for you to take one or two of those pieces of paper and spend some time this afternoon or during this week and write out some prayers. Today's passage is about not babbling on and on, so I did take the papers and I cut them in half, and so it's only a half sheet. You can't babble on and on on the prayer journal. But write down a few words of your prayer. Put them somewhere where you'll see them this week and, and pray them. Now, there's one thing that I've said today that probably still needs a little explanation. Some of you were very confused uh, with the prayer that I prayed at the beginning. Thank you, God, for being. I saw some of you just like, what? I actually heard that prayer for the first time, gosh, probably 35, 36 years ago. I was finishing up my studies at Trevecca, and I was sitting in a class called Introduction to Christian Thought, and the professor was Dr. Craig Keene. And Dr. Keene did what all professors at Trevecca did. They started every class period with prayer. The typical professor at Trevecca would start with a prayer um, asking God to, you know, make the lesson clear, to keep the students awake as, as they were teaching and, and all of those kinds of things. Dr. Keene didn't follow that method. He was teaching us about prayer varying during the very act of praying and the words that he prayed. I didn't really understand it as a 19, 20-year-old college student. Thank you, God, for being just sounded weird. But many years later, when I was in a hospital bed recovering from my kidney transplant and all my family and friends had gone home and I was too tired to pray, I could pray those five words, thank you, God, for being. And God, who revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush as I am, God was able to conjugate himself into a God who was being present with me in a lonely, scary hospital room. Sometimes simple sentence prayers say everything that we need to say to our God who loves us. Will you say that simple five-word prayer with me? Thank you, God, for being Thank you, God, for being. Amen. So prayer doesn't have to be long and complicated and complex. And 
this practice that we have of the Lord's Supper also doesn't have to be long and complicated and complex. And so we're transitioning into a time of celebrating what Christ did for us. Our slide and graphic tells us we're still in the season of Pentecost, where the Spirit came as a result of the work that Christ did on the cross. And so we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together today. And so I invite you to come and receive the elements as we remember what Christ did for us. Uh, The hand sanitizer was here earlier and it seems to be gone. So we'll just, it's on the floor. It's hiding. (laughs) It was hiding behind the picture here earlier. So. When I grew up, we were a part of a tradition that didn't do the Lord's Supper every single week. Um, We did it three or four times a year. And it's really come to be very meaningful to me as a way of remembering and actually participating in what Christ did for us on a weekly basis here at the church. And so I invite you as you're ready to come to the center aisle. We'll receive the elements and then we'll go back to your seats and we'll take them all together. So again, as we talked about just a few weeks ago as we were celebrating Easter, uh, Christ gathered his disciples together and they were celebrating. He took the bread, he lifted it up and said, this is my body which will be broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. And in a similar way, he took the cup and he lifted it up and said, this will be my blood which will be shed for you drink and remember me.
I had told Jen earlier that when you preach a sermon on a text that says don't babble on and on, that it might be a little shorter than normal. And so she might want to adapt what she's doing with the kids. We've reached the end of the service here at Port Orange now as we sing our benediction. But nobody wants to hear me singing into a microphone, so Danny's going to lead us.